everyone, and welcome to The Tightrope, where we engage in the richest dialogue we can come up with and try to keep our balance on some very tough issues. I'm Trisha Rose, and I'm here with one of my favorite people in the world, my comrade for Black Freedom Struggles everywhere, Dr. Cornell West. Hey, Cornell, how are you doing today? Oh, I tell you, I'm fired up. I think we're going to fall off this tightrope today with the, with the yes. magnificent interlocutor and conversational brother we got. It's just nobody yeah, liked it I know. In the last this is not a years. That's right. This isn't a tough issue day. This is a celebration day. Right? This is a celebration. In fact, you know what? It is such a celebration day. I think we're going to turn it right on over to you to introduce our most extraordinary guest and gift to the world on a birthday, on a big birthday. I'm going to just turn it right on over and let you offer, bring, bring him on with us. Well, absolutely. Well, I just first want to say that this is one of the uh, very, very special occasions in the history of our uh, tightrope show because we have someone who represents the highest level of what it means to be human, what it means to be modern, what it means to be American, what it means to be black. He is a towering artistic genius. He is a spiritual giant. And he is that rare human being who has a genuine gentleness and generosity. And you can feel through him the richest tradition of the modern world of black musicians who in the face of catastrophe have been able to dish out so much love and daringness and creativity and innovation and yet still keep their feet on the ground even as they're connected to a world beyond this one. I'm talking about the one and only Sonny Rollins. Brother Sonny, how you doing my brother? Yes, 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 my brother. Brother Cornell West, thank you, my brother. Thank you. Peace and all of that good stuff to you, man. <laughs> and happy, happy birthday. We hear this is your ninth, ninth decade. Is this right? Yeah, this is number 90. Number 90 Ooh. here for me. And, you know, this is just one. I'm ready to go on to the next dimension. So... This is 90 for here, and I'll see how much time I got to the next one. Yeah, I like that. I like that spirit. You're here as, as long as you need to be, and you're going somewhere else. You see how long that's going to be. I love that. Exactly, love that. and it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, Nothing wrong with uh, what's going on. It's all good. Mm. Well, I tell you, it's happening for a reason. Things happening for a reason, and it's all that's good. True. That's true. Yeah. In these grim times, just to be able to revel in your spirit, just mm. to be able to build on your artistry, and most importantly, I think, just to be able to keep alive the tradition that you exemplify in such a high way. Maybe we should just go right back to your beginnings with yeah. Father Walter and Mother Valbar and your brother and sister growing up right there in Harlem, running into Fats Walla and Louis Jordan. Could you say a word about your early formation, my brother? Yeah, well, I was very, very fortunate. Again, it happens for a reason. I was born in Harlem. I used to 
to uh, march up and down the street with my grandmother, who was an activist in my family. We used to march up and down Lenox Avenue in parades for uh, 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 the Scottsboro Boys, for Paul Robeson, for W.E.B. Du Bois, for uh, a Bloomingdale's, uh, Blooming, Bloomingdale's, I believe it was, was a, 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 a big store on 125th Street. And at that time, they wouldn't let our people in there. We couldn't go into Blooming, Bloomstains, I think it was, Bloomstains. Mm-hmm. We couldn't go in there. It also was uh, a march against that, and up parades all the time. I was so I was fortunate. I had my grandmother was holding me by the hand. I was three or four years old or something, and uh, I got the message uh, quite early that uh, there was a fight on. That's part of life, and hey, it's wonderful. That's part of it. We got to be strong. We got to fight. Fight the good fight. And uh, I learned that quite early with my grandmother, God bless her, and uh, I'm still fighting the fight, man. I'm Mm. still fighting the fight. Yes, yes, indeed. You know, by coincidence, um, my uh, I was born in Harlem myself, and my father was born in Harlem, and he's about six or seven years older than you, and he's still here too. So. Yeah, his name is George. Who knows? Y'all might know each other because he talks so glowingly about that early period, being near the Apollo and the Savoy and uh, watching the Nicholas Brothers go down the street and just break into a whole dance routine. And uh, just this vibrant arts culture, uh, you know, arts politics and culture all together. Can you talk a little bit about that Mecca, that sense of community that the artists and and the politics which you've already mentioned but but how the artists and, and the community were were so connected in that time oh yeah well you said the right word they were connected so we had to in harlem that was the place i remember people were saying oh man we came from uh, different parts of the world came from down south and stuff man we got on the subway and when we got off at 135th Street and Lennox Avenue, we, we had come, we got come to the kingdom. That's just Harlem. There's music every place. All this great music, a uh, uh, stride pianist, a uh, uh, fat swallow was writing uh, uh, plays and playing at theaters uh, for uh, organ and playing, uh, and his jazz bands every place you look. Well, up here to Savoy, you, you, you had, uh, there was a great drummer, Chick Webb. You had mm. Chick Webb up there. You had people like Erskine Hawkins playing up, up at the Savoy. You had two bands, one on Savoy. We used to call the Savoy up on 140th Street, Lex Avenue. We used to call the Savoy the track because it was built on the, it was like a, a, a track for uh, racing. Guys running around the track. And you used to have one band on one side and then another band on the other side. One one band started playing and the other band stopped playing. Then they would go right there. And, and they called it the home of happy feet, the Savoy Ballroom. And we had, wow. so that was going. We had that, go. of course, we had the Apollo. I heard all... The music, uh, that's where I went to school. I heard all the music. Every musician would come to New York. I'd hear them at the Apollo Theater. 
Everybody that needed to hear, they all came to the Apollo Theater. Everybody, Duke Ellington, Tiny Bradshaw, Lil Green, uh, Billy Holiday, Andy uh, Cook. You see, mm. these are the people that, that uh, instilled in me pride, pride of being black, pride of having something that nobody else had. They, white folks had to come up to Harlem so that they can get some soul, so they can get some feelings, some good under, good good vibes. They had to come to Harlem because that's where it was at. That's where wow. it was at. Wow. Well, Sister Trisha's crucial point about connected, though, is, is something that uh, uh, we'd want to build on because, you know, on the one hand, now, your grandmother's a Garveyite. Is that right? Yes, she was. She was a Garveyite. That's right. She got a Garvey. And then she you listened to Marcus the Golden Garvey. That's right. Now, you listened to the Golden Gate Quartet on the radio, they singing about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Fats Waller out there with his joy flowing and his genius at work, even though he'd be dead at 39, as you know. Could you say something about the leap that takes place when you encounter the music of the towering Coleman Hawkins at that intellectual level? And what That's happens to your sense of calling, the sense of what you are here to do, what the higher powers have called Sonny Rollins to do? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, see, it wasn't just about entertainment. See, if you're young and you don't understand, and you're looking at the, uh, if you or if you're white and you and you're looking at the movies and stuff, then you think, hey, well, black people's just here to make to make me laugh, to make me feel good, and blah, blah, blah. But the, of course, that wasn't true. Coleman Hawkins, you just mentioned him. Coleman Hawkins represented the highest intellectual jazz that was that was happening at the time. He's black. Coleman Hawkins. We call him the father of the tenor saxophone. Coleman Hawkins. So then, you know, you find out, well, hey, man, we, we're smarter than anybody out there. We're creating this, this system here that they call America. It's created by us. So, uh, yeah, Coleman Hawkins, uh, Fatsuala. Uh, you know, I had a very close relative of mine. His name was Ashley Totten. He was involved with A. Philip Randolph. He was one of the people that started the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, the Pullman Porters. Ashley Totten came up to A. Philip Randolph on Lennox Avenue around 1925 and said, hey, man, we need to have some representation in the Pullman Porters. They're treating us like slaves. And it was right out of slavery that the Pullman Porters started uh, a wonderful group. Uh, and as, so I'm so happy Ashley Totten was uh, one people that was uh, we knew close. But all of this was happening in Harlem. All of this was happening in Harlem. Now, when I go to Harlem today, I haven't been there in many years, but I see it as completely different. It doesn't, I, you know, I don't get anything out of it because it's not the way it was back in the days. Mm. The Lafayette Theater and... Uh, all those people, and these, these, this is my life. This is my life, and I'm grateful. 
I'm grateful mm. to the Creator for making, I'm the happiest person alive at 90 years old, man, because look what the Creator's given me. I've got my no. inspiration to carry it through forever now. I'm, I'm on my way now. But talking to you makes us happier than you. We are happier yep. than you are talking to you. Right. I oh, mean, I all you, all, all of you seen, I mean, you did to, for you to be able to inspire us, given all that you've seen, good and bad, you know, is so powerful. I mean, can you give us a sense of what you thought was going to happen? I mean, coming out of that rich tradition and space and community, you know, are we farther along in music and culture than you thought we would be? Are we behind? What, what, what were you thinking about where we might be at this stage? And, and how can we carry the tradition forward in, in the best way from your perspective? Well, we've got to we've got to be music. We'll always be ahead in the music. So that that's a given. That's already there. People trying to learn from somebody black. They're trying to learn. That's always going to be happening. As far as the political scene, this country is not going to change. That's my opinion. I mean, you know, if you want to keep fighting it and try to get it to change, okay, we got to fight to be alive. But that doesn't think America is going to change. See, I wrote my song, The Freedom Suite, back in 1958, and, and I said it then. All that we've given to this country and, we, and what we get back uh, in humanity, and, we are the, and we're black people, essence of, of humanity. And we, what do we get back? Nothing. I don't think it's going to change. Now that... You know, you can have different opinions, that's fine. You can keep fighting for change, but you know, I'm fighting uh, just for personal understanding of what we're here for. See, I, yes, I'm, yes. I don't think about this place as anything. See, I think about the big picture. We're down here now fighting in this little picture Planet, mm. planet Earth, little picture, but we, there's a big picture though. There's a big picture, and that's where my mind is always there. Whatever they do here, hey, I didn't say well, I'm, I'm gonna fight back, but I'm not worrying about here. I'm worrying about making sure I fight the good fight. I want to live uh, the golden rule. That's one of the things I always believe in do unto others as I want them to do unto me. That's my belief. I don't care how they believe. That's what I believe. That's right. That keeps That's me right. strong. Keeps me doing the right and and getting uh, learning more every day. And mm, also, exactly. Cornell, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to learn. Mm. This life is a learning experience. See, I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning. No, and, uh, so I'm, I'm a happy no, I, 90 year I, I old see, brother. Now see, in Shiloh Baptist Church, we, we formulated that in terms of being in the world, but not of the world. Mm -hmm. And therefore, even as we engage this world, we're always tied to something bigger than us. And if Amen. we can engage this world with the spontaneity, with the improvisational sensibility, with the love, with the intuitiveness, with the beauty, and yet at the same time not get caught and trapped in the smaller picture, 
connected to mm-hmm. what you call the big picture. Now, we know on May yeah. the 24th, 1956, you and John Coltrane in the studio together, tenor, madness, y'all going at it for 12 minutes, the only time the two giant <laughs> titans are together, you all love each other, and he loved you. He's also tied to that big picture. Tell us something about how you and Coltrane tied to that big picture, still engaged the small picture as two loving brothers, free and beyond description in terms of genius. Oh, yeah. Well, that's our great uh, prophet, John Coltrane. He was, he was our prophet of our time. See, John was a beautiful brother. He was almost, John was almost a saint. I could almost call him from a saint, man. He was a beautiful brother, mm. just thinking about the music and and being doing good, being good. He, he was, I, I would almost call, I have called him a saint, but he was our prophet. Mm. It was great to be involved with uh, uh, the great, it's one of the privileges that I've had in my life. That's why I'm so happy today at 90. Because I've been with John Coltrane, and, uh, some of our great people, but I know Coltrane is uh, one of our uh, currently. Everybody now realizes what Coltrane is our prophet. And he learned so much from you. He learned so much from you. He would he would say <laughs> similar things about you, though, brother. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we 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 we're very close and. Uh, he even wrote a song for me, Like Sonny. The whole, the whole album, that whole album, Like Sonny. I mean, the, the, mm, the, yeah. the name of that, absolutely. <laughs> and mm. you wrote John S. for him. That's right. That's right. Mm. Yeah, so um, uh, uh, Mr. Coltrane was, a, he was a, lifted us all up, man. And with all that we went through and all the people were trying to do in this, no, no, it couldn't get by a coal train. Right. He stayed out here and he fought the good fight, man. He's so he's our prophet. Who was who was a, a jazz prophet today? John Coltrane. Wow. And he brings mm. with it all those beautiful things. Well, he's a beautiful brother, man. John, yeah, John man. is a saint, man. Mm. 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 Yes, well, they, yes, well, they say sir. a saint is a, is a sinner who looks at the world through the lens of the heart and masters the art of living lovingly. Amen. Mm. Amen. Mm. It's all the same. You got to make it was always good and it's bad. No, no, it's all good. It's a, yes, it was bad in there, but it's, it's okay. The bad is good. If you make it <laughs> That's good. Right. That's right. Mm. But that holds for you too, though, Sonny. That holds for right. you. Right. That holds for you, baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had my hard knocks uh, through through my life. I paid a lot of dues and uh, did some stupid things and had to pay for it. And uh, but again, I learned, and I'm still learning, and that's why I'm very content. At 90 years old, I'm very content. And why? Because I'm fighting, I'm still fighting the good fight. I'm still fighting the good fight. So when I'm trying to live right, I'm I'm not out here trying to, no, no. I want to live by the golden rule. So that that doesn't mean I'm going to get beaten. No, no, no. I'm I'm fighting. But for me, what I do, 
do unto others as I want them to do unto me. That's how I want to live. See, mm. every, you know, Cord Cornell, every religion, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Confucianism, Zoroastrianism, or Hindu, all of them preach a golden rule. And then they, then they go on to say, well, then we have to pray eight times a day. Or we gotta do, but they all preach the golden rule. See? So the golden rule is standard. That's, that's forever. But the religions take their stuff and go into this and that. So it's not quite the same. So I'm not mm. into religion. I'm into the golden rule. And people have to be understanding. I'm not trying to get over on nobody. I'm not trying to mess That's with right. nobody. Take this right. from nobody. Mm. Yeah, my yeah. brother. Wow. Oh, I hear you, my brother. I so, hear you, my brother. Not only are we celebrating your 90th birthday, um, Mr. Rollins, but we received a fantastic package in the mail from your uh, record company that you have a new recording, an archival recording coming out on Resonance Records, which is amazing. It has three of your unreleased performances from 1967 recorded in Holland. Oh, yeah. And tell us a little bit about how this came to be right now. And we're, we, you know, we're so thrilled to, to, to know that there's, you know, new music to listen to uh, of yours. How did it come into being and, and what do you want people to know about, about this collection? Well, that was 1967. It was a beautiful year. Uh, I think that was the year that uh, Brother John might have uh, transitioned. I'm not sure. Yeah, July, July 1967. July right. 1967. Detroit, Detroit so was up in flames. So there was a lot going on all over at that time. There was a lot, there was a lot of stuff in the air. A lot of, and there was a lot of uh, music. There was a lot of great musicians. There was a lot of sound. And you know, when I talk about John, John, I don't think of John as being gone. He's not gone. He'll never be gone because he's here. See? And his music is here just like he, in 1967, is here today. It'll be here. And this That's is right. the way that we have to uh, look at life. There's no end to this life out here, my brother. We, we, this is forever here. And uh, it's all good. But back in that day, when I recorded that, I was uh, traveling around the world. I think we were playing in Holland for a while in England and uh, back to the States and so on. But uh, I got some uh, young uh, uh, white boys who love jazz. They couldn't do nothing else but love jazz. And they, and so I got them together, put them in my little trio of uh, drums and bass only, that's all. And, uh, and, and we did some stuff together and I, did, I didn't even know it was still around. Until these people found out that uh, these records were still made from 1967 and brought them to me. And I said, okay, put them out. Why not? Mm. They, they sound good. You talking about Brother Hans and Brother Rudolph? Yes, sir. 
Yeah, you all yes, sound sir. good. You took those brothers to a place they knew not of, but they were hanging yeah. there with you. <laughs> you were, they were hanging there with you. You're making that human artistic connection, my brother. Amen. Amen. To something I'm, I'm that I was going to ask later, but but it's a perfect comment that you just made about bringing people to another place, uh, Cornell, and how how Mr. Rollins does that. But I'm wondering, you know, if if you can describe Mr. Rollins, why or how you are able to give such extraordinary live performances. What happens in the live performance context? What, is, what does it bring out in you or what do you give to it? There's something alchemical going on in there. Can you describe it? I mean, it might be beyond words, but I have to ask because, you know, it's just so amazing. And it's just... It's spiritual. It, it, it's absolutely exactly. spiritual. Yes. You yes. know, when I get up on the stage, and, this, and I'm just one of the uh, many of our great artists, but when I get up on the stage, I want to forget about this little picture world. We'll get back to that. I want to forget that and let the music come to me. See, I don't want to be looking at I want the music just play. Shut my eyes and play what I've known, what I've heard, and hope that uh, I get some inspiration from uh, uh, from above, if you if you like. And that's so. That's what it's about. I don't want to think about nothing when I'm playing. I want to improvise. I don't want to remember. Oh, let me play this. Or let me play that. Or, no, no. I used to try that. I used to work out stuff and wait till I could get on the stage and then I'd play it. No, it never worked out. It never came out because the music's going too fast. So I said, okay, just let me leave my mind blank and let it come to me. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how uh, I, I I improvise and my way of improvising. Yes, but let me just say that you can't improvise like you unless you've been in the woodshed a long time. That's true. <laughs> you that put me the on truth. the bandstand with a with a saxophone, Joe. Nothing, nothing's gonna come out. <laughs> so, that is you know, the truth. So you work. it's you important. Got to do your work. Right, right. Before so that's what frees you up. Place where you can close. Yeah, no. Before you get to the place where you can close your eyes and blank your mind, you got to do your work. You got to that's do exactly your work. After right. I do my work, I got that there. Then I can close my eyes and let it come out. But you got to mm. do your work before you get there. Mm. Oh, that's so true. That's the way it's through. You, you know, brother Cornell explained that you got to do your work. You can't get up there. Hey, go no no no! You got to do your work. Then you're on solid ground when you've done your work. Then you that can is fly. so true. That's so true. And find joy in practice, joy in doing the work, so that when it's time for you to perform, you can authorize a different world for the audience by taking that audience to a place they know not of, 
But at the same time, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson used to say, the greatest genius is he or she who is the greatest in debt. So that when you plan, we can hear Fats Waller. We can hear Clifford Brown. We can hear Miles Davis. We can hear Max Roach. We can hear Mary Lou Williams. We can hear Charlie Parker. All of those voices Mm. are inside of you, and yet you still got your own voice. Mm. Amen, my brother. Mm. Amen, my Mm. brother. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you're speaking now. You're speaking now. Now you're speaking mm. now. That, that's, you do that's, the work that's... and you put that in me. Yes, sir. That's, mm. That was a beautiful thing. And you give it to us. That's what's so beautiful. See, mm. I tell my students, I tell my students at Harvard, they say, well, 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 well how, how do you engage in the right kind of scholarly engagement? I said, well, did you know Charlie Parker practiced 11 hours? Did you know that Brother Sonny Rollins, Walter Theodore Rollins, was practicing at 11, 12 hours under the bridge, you know, Coltrane, <laughs> would go to sleep with the horn in his mouth and wake up blowing? But it, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then nobody was asking what the right kind of thing was going to be, right? You, de- you determined oh, that no, through, the, no. through the work. You got to be free. You got to be free. Free, free. That's the greatest. Say that kind of freedom and that kind of connection with the higher forces, higher power. That is nothing. That's the top. There's nothing down here that can can, uh, affect me. There's nothing down here can uh, mess mess with uh, um, uh, you for being black. So what? So people say, oh, Sonny, you living up in in the country, man. They go shoot you and get said, well, let them shoot me. They ain't shooting me, so what? So what, you can't shoot me? What, what, mm. so what? I mean, you think you can kill me by putting a bullet or, or, or lynching me? You're not shooting me, brother. You Did I do nothing to you? All right, then I'm cool. See, because I'm dead. There's a reason that happened. There's a reason that happened. It's a big mm. picture. That happened, just happened for a reason. Mm. Let you, if you shoot me, then you, that's your problem. That's my problem. It's your problem, brother. Mm. Right, brother? I'm supposed to live forever. Mm. I'm supposed to live forever down here on this planet. Mm. While I'm here, I, I do what we're talking about now, Cornell, about all these great brothers practicing and, and, and having high, beautiful thoughts about right. what we're here for. You see, there's not, there's not, there's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be afraid of right. nothing. I don't care what they got. I don't care how many atomic, uh, uh, nuclear web weapons. That that don't mean nothing, man. That's like right. a, a drink of water. That's exactly right. I and mean, that's the same tradition that has told us for 400 years that. We'd rather be corpses than a coward. We'd rather be dead than afraid. We're going to be free, daring, taking risks, cutting against the grain, and passing it on to the younger generation, no matter what, with a smile and with style. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. And, you know, it's it's that freedom. I hear you, brother. I hear you now. I hear you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know it's the freedom of mind that you are emphasizing so significantly that I think 
is has you know everybody doesn't have it today as as richly as you do probably nobody had it as richly before you <laughs> but true. actually he's got it he's got all of it past present and future but um but yeah you know this this sense of freedom isn't about denial of the reality of risk or danger or harm or hate right it's it's the disposition in the face of it's in it's what what's the What's the way we're going to live in the face of that kind of, of un, unregulated violence? Exactly. Um, exactly. Right. Yes, 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 sister. Yes. So how we live, we keep, we got to keep the faith. You know what they're doing? These people are crazy. Never, never mind them. They oh, yeah, I'll kill it. They can't kill nothing. Right. You know, just the other day they said they found... Oh, we found this big black hole in the sky. We didn't know there was two of them. These people don't know nothing, man. They don't know nothing. What we're talking about is the big picture. That's what we talk. That's the big picture. Not what. So don't don't have no fear. Don't what fear. You have to fear nothing down here in the small picture. Nothing to fear here. You're mm. part of the big picture. The big picture. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. so real. That's so yeah. very, very real. Am, though, I, am I right, Cornell? Oh, you hitting the nails on the head. We gonna have our folk going back and listen to some Sunny Moon for two. They gonna listen to a little St. <laughs> Thomas. They gonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, so, they gonna listen to some Alfie, brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and and hopefully they're going to hear that hear that freedom and the you know the freedom in the freedom suite not just being about political freedom but about the That's freedom right. of how to live under these circumstances because you know that that on the ground that little picture that little picture is a little hot right now you know that 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 mm-hmm. little world that you're saying is the here and the now on the ground is is a hot place to live and it's not very comfortable it's it's uncomfortable um so the question is how do we elevate how do we elevate out Mm -hmm. of it in such a way that we are not um limited by the constraints placed there and uh you know it's in your music it's in your spirit uh and it's it's in it's in your whole approach i I did want to ask a little bit about that bridge you know i'm a new yorker so i have a a bridge question (laughs) um um, so the williamsburg bridge you know you know there are a couple bridges right near each other in lower manhattan in that area so why did you pick the williamsburg bridge was it just the closest bridge did you like the resonance was it the way the cars went over and the sound it made was it safe to sit there for uh, play there for hours how how did you come to that i know that's kind of technical but that kind of thing really interests me as a, as a city person no 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 it's not technical at all i tried the brooklyn bridge that didn't work i went up there and said let me see how it's going to work that didn't work so i don't know if i went to the uh manhattan bridge i'm not sure i may have but anyway the, the Williamsburg Bridge was right on near where I lived at. The Williamsburg Bridge on Delancey Street. Right. And I was walking down Delancey Street one day, and I looked up there. So said I was having trouble uh, uh, finding a place to practice. When you're a musician in New York City, and we're living in these small apartments. Right, and then you you know I don't want to disturb somebody over there. And there was a woman next door to me who was pregnant. She had a love. 
So I didn't want to blow my horn and, and, and you know, so, boy, when I looked up these steps, I said, let me walk up on these steps. And I saw that bridge. I said, wow, hey, there's nobody up here, a big space, and nobody walking from Brooklyn back to nothing. I walked wow. across that bridge, and I said, well, thank you, Jesus. You know, <laughs> I was there. And, and uh, that that was the biggest thing that happened to my life. And and by the way, when I was living down there on, on Grand Street, all all the beautiful people that uh, uh, Brother Cornell was just talking about, they all came down there at one time or another. It so was, it was it your was kind of— beautiful. It was your Excuse public me? office. They came to see you on the bridge. No, they came to my apartment, living down there. Oh, yeah, there. they came. Oh, okay, no, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah just they came, came to, to, see. to see they me. They came to 400 Grand Street. Mm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, he was holding office clean. hours. He was holding his own office hours, yeah. Exactly. If, if we had yeah. the tape for you and Coltrane talking hours and hours and hours and hours about spirituality, right. about music, about culture, about what it is to be a decent right. person. Woo! Right. How to be a force right. for good. And, you well, know, and I want to Celestial. make mention of my brother that just died, Harold Singer. A great uh, jazz musician had moved to uh, Paris. He lived in Paris, just passed. He just made his transition at 100 years old. And, and Harold used to come there. We used to practice down. He used to come down to my house. And I want to uh, make a special, uh, like they say, shout out to Harold Singer. He had a, wow. we used to call him Cornbread. He had, he had a big head, Cornbread. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was a great brother, man. Oh, he just made a transition. And yeah, so let's, uh, I want to just put him in no, there, too. That's thank, a beautiful thing. Thank you for him. You know, September the 7th is my father's birthday. No, all right. All yes. right. <laughs> he was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, go. two years before you born in Harlem. Mm. Wow! Well, there you go. Well, now it seems now that's now that's the connection be, you're talking about. I'll <laughs> never be half the man he was. If I could be half the man oh. he was, I'm gonna join that oh. celestial seminar with you and Coltrane in them. I can tell you. Thank you, my brother. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I wish your 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 dad happy birthday too. I mm. hear you. I hear he he yes, passed in nineteen. 1994, but he's still with us. He's still with us. Talk to him every Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Still with us. Joe mm. ain't going no place, man. <laughs> ain't going no place. Love <laughs> mm, mm, mm. yeah, got He got some Jesus companionship, too. But what, one last question. You think of figures like Javon Jackson and Brother Washington and the great Jared and others. What, what does the future jazz look like for you, though, Brother brother Winton and all the others? Right, right, right. Well, you see, it's difficult. It's a different time right now. The people mm -hmm. got all this technology. They got to press a button. They can hear music from 1810 or something. So it's a little different time right now. But, uh, Jazz is not where it was. We brought it up. 
that up to the period when I'm talking about, starting way by Scott Joplin and all those people up to the 50s, 60s, seven, some seven, you know. But now it's kind of, it's kind of not in everybody's ear as it was then. But Brother Javon Jackson, Kenny Garrett, Kamasi Washington, all these brothers got the, they've got the message. And they all they have to do is keep doing what they're doing. Never oh, mind beautiful. the fact that uh, it's not everybody's not uh, uh, running out, and it's not the way. There's a lot of other jive out here. A lot of, a lot of stuff uh, messing up our ears and putting a veil in front of our face. There, mm. but all those mm-hmm. brothers are wonderful, great people, and uh, don't just keep doing what they're doing. See, just like we're trying to keep doing what we're doing because we're in the right space. We're in the right yeah. space, and they're in the right yeah. space. So they just keep doing what they're doing, man. God gave mm. them a beautiful gift for a reason. To yes. yes, I mean, we, we all, I mean, this has been so inspiring to me because, you know, it's been a very tough summer for everybody in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. And to hear your commitment and strength, power, and spiritual disposition in the face of so much, knowing you've seen it all. I mean, you've mm-hmm. seen you've seen it all. 90 years, these particular 90 years that you've been on the planet have been some of the most transformational years in human history. I mean, what's the difference between, you know, 1930 and now is hard to imagine really the gap and here you are with an incredible spirit with a sense of the very big picture with a political fight but a a a spiritual depth that many people can't even imagine because the little picture is is suffocating the their vision and big picture but you you added oxygen you you've added oxygen here today and you know it, i feel like it's my birthday tell you the truth he's given both it of is. us rebirth he's given us rebirth right here in this dialogue because yes i exist because of you sister trisha exists because of you the tradition that you represent at the highest level it goes beyond skin pigmentation goes beyond nationality it goes beyond gender it goes beyond sexual orientation it's your humanity at that most mm-hmm. precious and profound level, though, brother. Amen. Yes, indeed. Amen, we we celebrate you. We celebrate you on oh, this yes, 90th birthday. And if and right. I, we, I love we are all one. See, God made every we are all one. Ain't nobody we are all look, we are not only that, we are all God. We are all God. Everyone, mm. we just got a, a blanket thrown over our face to remove that blanket. We are God. Mm. We are God. Mm. We are well, your God. love. Your love is so tangible. I can touch it now, brother. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start crying. But I can tell you one thing: the tears of joy, given the unbelievable love that's been coming out of your heart, your soul, your horn, and your mm. life. Yes, and we are blessed for that. We are blessed. And you know what? I'm hoping that you are right about those other 90 years in the next stop that's coming. Because that means I'll get, I'm going to look for you. When I get to that, I'm looking for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm coming. Okay? Oh, yeah. I'm going to come bring we'll some kind of music easy. with me. Yeah, no, it'll be, it won't be hard to, to see then. It won't be all this 
smoke like there's going to be fires and it's smoke and no, but it'll be clear, be clear. You know what? I don't, all I know is this. It's there. I don't know what it is, how it looks like, what is good. I don't know that. All I know is that it's there. Mm-hmm. Say people say, oh, what's heaven? I don't know, but I know it's there. I don't know what it looks like. Don't ask me, oh, what is it like? And I don't know that. That's not my business. <laughs> my business is to take care of what I have to do here. See? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. it, and I know that it's there. I know that. And, 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 and I think that. one of the reasons why how we know it because we can feel it. We can feel uh-huh. it in the depths of our souls and our bodies. Uh-huh. We feel something that doesn't have a home in the small picture. Yes, sir. Woo. Yes, sir. We are so delighted. We we are just thrilled. We want to invite you back anytime on the tightrope, Mr. Rollins. That's the truth. Anytime you that want to come truth. say anything, sing anything, blow a horn, make a critique, <laughs> tell us about the next picture. If you find something out, you are welcome anytime, any day on the tightrope, anytime. Well, I want to bless, bless you and Brother Cornell. It's nice to be in this world, like you say, when all this stuff is happening, and just feel safe. I feel safe. Mm-hmm. It's right. What we're talking about is truth. It's right. There's nothing right, nothing to worry about. Nothing yeah. to worry about. <laughs> we're going to keep swinging, and it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing, brother. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, love you, love goodness. you, love you, my brother. We love, love you. you. Thank you so much, Sonny. Love All you. Right. Thank you so much. Right. God, yes, indeed. God bless. God, God bless. bless you. God bless. Happy birthday. Okay. Thank you so much, man. Just keep it on. Keep doing it. Oh, Sister Tricia, that was so magnificent. Wow. I mean, mm, mm, moving. Mm. Lord have mercy. I mean, it's like what we're missing. It's like, holy cow. This is what we need elders for. This is what elders are for. To remind you what you can't yet know, but that you desperately need right now. He's something else. He's something else. Well, Cornell, we've been very blessed with the opportunity to celebrate nine decades of Sonny Rollins' genius. And so on the on the high note of that, we want to send uh, the spirit up for a lost talent and a lost spirit who went too young. You know, we have an elder who's still hanging on, but not all of us get that blessing. Some of us leave us too soon. And so in our office hours this week, we're going to devote it to Chadwick Boseman and uh, the Black Panther, for those of you who don't know, the gentleman who played that role. And uh, we, we just want to talk a little bit about the life and the legacy, but, but also the, what, what Chadwick Boseman means to people. And we're going to dedicate our office hours to this focus um, because, you know, it's on everybody's minds and hearts. So, Cornell, what was your experience when you heard that Chadwick Boseman had passed away from colon cancer? I just couldn't believe it because when I saw him, both in Black Panther, but also James Brown, you know, mm-hmm. I thought that anybody had the uh, courage to be James Brown taking a risk, and that brother pulled it off. And James Brown is one of our great geniuses, one of our great exemplars of the same tradition that we were talking about, Black people wrestling with catastrophe, responding with creativity, with compassion, and most importantly, 
emptying ourselves, giving everything that we have to each other, to the audience, to the world, to the nation. And when I thought of our dear brother Chadwick dying at 43, I think he was, mm-hmm. does that, that, that sound right? About 43 yes. years old. Uh, he was giving himself and we didn't even know that he was sick. I, I, I had no right. idea that he was going through what he was going through. And I'm, I think when you, when you are the real thing, you're not fake, you're not phony, you're the real thing. Mm-hmm. We saw that with Bootsy. Well, we see that with a whole host of artists. That And he was the real thing. So people do have a profound attraction to the real thing, even in his mm-hmm. relatively short life, but long spiritual witness that will Impact. go on and yeah. on and on. Yeah. And in fact, he had to have been dealing with it. If from what I've read, he was struggling with it in treatment for four years, which means the first right. two years of treatment, he was filming or you know had just finished filming Black Panther. It comes out in 2018. Exactly. Uh, the whole time that he's dealing with the publicity of the film and representing this superhero. I mean, I think, you know, it was so powerful. I mean, it was shocking to me because... I realized that even though I wasn't the biggest Black Panther fan, I was a Black Panther fan, but a lot of people are, you know, dressing up in costumes and going out right. to right. be living in Wakanda and whatnot, selling their homes to buy <laughs> places in Wakanda. Yeah. I'm not in that level of excitement, but I was I was touched and moved significantly. And I realized we were spiritually attached to the idea of a Wakanda and a king of that grace and of that power. Right. And that somehow it gave us an imagination, a place to be that wasn't here, but that was related to, you know, a fictitious portrayal of our ancestors. Right. A kind of melange of of that of that history. And that he, he by not telling us, I felt like he just sort of gave away the throne and passed away and didn't didn't give us a chance to tell him how much we appreciated him. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. and so, you know, I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about that because on the one hand I say, hey, you know, why didn't you tell us so we could have loved you and celebrated you and, you know, given you a Wakanda send off. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. then on the other hand, I say, you know, brother needs to keep his own life private if that's what he wants to do. I mean, the pain of cancer and the treatment is very painful, very difficult. No, and, it's true. you know, he didn't it's necessarily want to have everybody in his business. But anyway, how do you feel about that tension yourself? Do you, do you know what I'm what I'm driving at? there? Oh, oh, indeed. Indeed. You know, after talking with Brother Sonny and his relation to the great John Coltrane. Now, you remember Coltrane died at 40 and he kept his illness to himself. Mm. He didn't tell hardly anybody. I'm sure he must have told the great Alice Coltrane, his wife and artist that she is. Uh, but you think of, of those who uh, who passed quickly. Same as true. Fats Waller died at 39 of pneumonia. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell hardly anybody that some people want to keep it on the inside because they still have so much to give to us yeah. from that inside. And that, has a, and that has to do with the strength of their spirit as well as the unbelievable mastery of their craft. But I'll tell you, you know, I was, I was in Chicago just last year and I was speaking at the Wakanda house, which is at the, uh, the Mount Pervin Missionary Baptist church, which is pastored by my very dear, dear brother, brother Hatch, Marshall Hatch, uh, uh, junior. And he has a program where the brothers on the West side of Chicago who are coming out of gangs 
make their way into either the church or various programs, and they chose Wakanda House. And, and one of the things they, 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 they noted was that the, the anthem of, of so many of those young brothers is Zoom by the Commodores, by that genius from mm. Alabama, Tuskegee, named uh, Lionel Richie and the Richie. Commodores, Zoom. And you think mm-hmm. of Zoom as part of this Afrofuturist mm-hmm. projection. Impulse. You got to mm-hmm. get away. Zoom. I like to fly, fly away. Fly well, away. I like to fly away. Fly away zoom, well, I zoom. like to fly away. Zoom, zoom, baby. To get out of all of the nightmarish mess that we're in. Mm. Almost like the Black Panther. We're going to provide a whole different world you can gain access to. Like George Clinton mm. Booth's mothership a Sun Ra's mm-hmm. mothership to mm-hmm. get out and provide mm-hmm. some distance, a whole different reality. And mm-hmm. Brother Chadwick, in some ways, became the exemplar of right. that Afrofuturist impulse. And Brother right. Ronaldo Anderson and all the other magnificent brothers and sisters who were part of the Afrofuturist movement have been mm-hmm. dealing with this in a much more sophisticated way than I can even imagine. But I think that has something to do with his tremendous weight and gravity in black culture. Definitely, definitely. No, Afrofuturism is a very powerful, I mean, it's a similar to kind of freedom that Sonny Rollins was talking about, right? That's true. That, That's true. You know, that Big you're picture. here, but you're not here, right? You're not limited right. by the here. You're imagining, living, spiritually enacting, creating alternative worlds in the big picture, Absolutely. not the... Not the little Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. but but you know, so he's giving. Chadwick gave to us, and he kept giving without telling us, so that he could give freely. But at the same time, to be able to give well is also means you have to be able to receive well. Mm, that's true. That's and very, I, very true. I just wish he'd let people give to him. Um, because in a funny way, and you know, it feels like it deprived us of something that we needed to do, um, to, you know what I mean? Be able to mourn collectively because to lose him in the middle of all these battles, right? This superhero, when we need a doggone, when do you need a superhero who's protecting black people more than now? Right. Not this the is truth. when With we the pandemic a, too, and the, the pandemic, depression like levels of unemployment, business and the violence, and the uh, I mean, every day coming you, at us every which way. No, right. Uh, that's right. Very, and so, that's so true. That's I think so that's true. why people felt so like sad, not just sad because it was what it was, and that we lost him. That was all very powerful and horrible. But I think that kind of need to imagine a protective force, the kind of combination of the Afrofuturism and how it helps us live in the now in a, in a more, um, um, even if it's an imaginary safety, right? Um, that sometimes helps. But yeah, so, I mean, we miss him and we're, we're really sorry he's gone. And, and, you know, we know we don't want to go too deep down the health avenue, but we know that our health is in jeopardy because of all of these other issues. They are intertwined. There's just the sheer stress of living in the world as a black person, as a, as a woman, as a, as a queer person, as a trans person, the stress of processing that weighs on us um, and shows up in, you know, additional toxicity. So, you know, I just want everybody to know that we're only as healthy as we think we are. So, you know, as we, as we imagine ourselves to be, we're not as, we're not as healthy as, as we, we should be. So, 
Um, everybody should really take take a little note to ourselves and make sure that everybody's uh, getting checked and being taken care of because we're not we're not actually superheroes. We're we're human. We're frail, and you know we're we're vulnerable as human beings. So we we, we really miss him and we wish him well. We just want to tell all the people who adore Black Panther that you know we're we're with you in this loss. Absolutely, and we we're pulling for his family. Those of us yes. who are religious, we're praying for his his precious yes. family because I'm yes. sure there were those close to him who told him how much they loved him. Yes. How much yes. they appreciated him, how much they embraced him. And I just hope that uh that he did receive that given the fact that we on the outside of that inner circle were unable right. to express that to him. Right. Uh, when he right. had the when he was in the flesh here. Yeah. Very much yes. so. But he's part of the, the grand cloud of witnesses. He's yep. And you witnesses. know the grand cloud of witnesses. And if, you know, Sonny Rollins is right, he's up there. Maybe he's already talking to John Coltrane somewhere. Isn't that the so, truth? Crane say, you come know, on in, And James. He's probably getting a critique of his movie portrayal right now. <laughs> Ooh, Alice, Alice, God knows she got her magnificent mind brought to bear on what the Black Panther film was all about up mm-hmm. in the celestial realms, too. Good God. That's my. true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. yes. Well, yes, indeed. That's true. I'm looking. I'm. I'm hoping that it's as robust up there as I'm imagining it to be. Um, oh, I but, hear you. I hear you. Well, it, it's always a joy. You know, we could talk all day. We do have to let people go home and do other things and decide <laughs> listening to us. So I'm just gonna <laughs> sign us off because really, we could just keep going. We could just. I know. Oh, I can we just have such a good time. You. We have I a good know. time it's, together. It's a blessing, indeed. A it's total. A I mean, a true. To in, in dialogue with you, really. Is. Oh, that's totally my my blessing. Well, I'm, I'm owning that blessing. That's 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 for true, true. Um, but I want to just tell all of our you know listeners and viewers how much we appreciate you, and uh, we want to let you know that you can be part of our office hours segment if you send us questions, comments, topics you want us to address. So you know, continue to send these queries and, and comments. On whatever platform you listen to the tightrope, um, we will get it, and maybe we'll be able to address it. We obviously can't do everything, but we'll try our best because we love hearing from you. And uh, we just want to give special thanks to Dwayne and the Real News Network for all their tech support and production help this week. And d- back to you guys. Don't forget to share on social media. Subscribe so you always get the latest news and the latest clips. And join us the next time on the tightrope. Thanks very much. Bye bye. <laughs>